0: We started last week um, talking um, about a concept out of Daniel eleven thirty two, And we're going to be back there again tonight. So if you want to turn there to Daniel chapter number 11 and verse number 32. Um, we're going to hit that verse and then we're kind of going to go some different ways with that tonight. Uh, but we were talking about the concept of an early anointing. An ancient anointing We were talking about the early church anointing And, uh, and, and we use Daniel 11.32 as a jump off point Into that because it carries such a powerful message And we'll catch up just a little bit on that um, but, but what we are feeling the Lord leading us into Is the Lord is calling us in this generation Back to that early, fresh anointing uh, and and into that fully giving of ourselves unto the Lord. Basically into what would you could consider a pre-Christian society. A lot of people will say, well, we're in a post-Christian society. But, you know, in reality, I think the the reality is probably more we are in a pre-Christian society. Because we are here to take the gospel into our world. And so if there are those that do not want to consider themselves in the, in the understanding of a follower of Christ, then we are in a pre-Christ following time that we need to present the gospel to our world. And in order to do that, we need to have that early anointing. Now we understand that the church is alive and well, so we're not saying that this is something new. We're just simply saying we need to recapture uh, what it is that caused that early church to press forward... In a great anointing and begin to make a difference in the world. How many of you believe that our world today needs a church to stand up that will make a difference in our culture? Amen. Amen. That's what we're talking about. Being a church, being followers of Christ, a body of Christ, and individuals. Uh, particular that make up the body of christ and river life is just a portion of that connected to the entire body of christ but being a part of a church the church that rises up on biblical grounds to make a difference in the world that we are living in and so the lord is calling us to that we we don't need to just be reactive to our world we need to be proactive with the gospel so we need to go. We need to go into the world. And so the Lord is speaking to us. He's calling us away from what would just simply be religious exercises. I mean, no, our world doesn't need more just religious exercise. And that's not going to change anyone. Just religion, just for religion's sake. Uh, you know, I, sometimes I feel like Paul must have felt when he stood on Mars Hill at the Oropagus And he said, you know, you are very religious. <laughs> You're very superstitious, he would say to the you. I've looked around and I've seen you've got idols to everything and everyone. And he said, but I found one that caught my attention. That is, you even have an idol to an unknown God. He said, it's this God that I'm coming to talk to you about. And he talked to them about Jesus Christ. And we don't need just more religious exercise in our world. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected and alive forevermore. That's the gospel that we need. He's also, the Lord is calling us away from from worldliness. Being so worldly minded that we are of no spiritual use. You know sometimes you in times we would say, "Well, there are so many people there they're so heavenly minded they're of no earthly use you know we don't we can't say that very much anymore we we don't <laughs> We don't have just a whole lot of people that are so heavenly minded that they're not of any earthly use anymore. I I think probably it's much more the other way in the church now that we are so worldly minded that sometimes we are not of great spiritual use. And so the Lord's challenging us and and he's calling us back to something away from the concepts of the world, back into the gospel and being completely transformed and renewed spirit, soul, soul. Body and mind by Christ. And how that is exhibited in our world is by loving God and by loving others. And so that's the call that the Lord is giving us. That's that early church understanding. They were called out of religious exercise. They they were called away from that. They were called away from the world system and the world's way of, of acting. And they were completely transformed and renewed. And they were called to love God and to love others. And that is the same call that the Lord is giving to us. So let's jump in. Daniel 11 and verse 32. The, the quick, quick background of this. Uh, I went into it last week. I'm not going to go into depth with it this week. But it is threefold. Daniel 11 is threefold. First portion of Daniel 11 uh, was fulfilled. Some short time after Daniel would write it, uh, when Antiochus' Epiphanes would rise up, and he fulfilled a lot of the prophecies that were in there, he set up the uh, the abomination in the temple and he, it was the God of Zeus, uh, God Zeus that he would set up within the temple and cause them to worship him and sacrifice pigs, which was totally against uh, Jewish. Culture and, and, and so we see a lot of that in him. The latter portion of Daniel chapter 11 uh, talks about the Antichrist that is to come and what he will fulfill. But also the third fold of this is that the spirit of Antichrist is among us even now. And the same principles are alive even right now. So even though some of it was fulfilled literally, some of it is yet to be fulfilled down the road, but all of it is still alive and well right now because the spirit of Antichrist is among us even now. And, and look what he says, Daniel 11 and verse 32. He says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he, the Antichrist, he, Antiochus Epiphanes, he, the spirit of Antichrist. Okay? Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. So those that turn away from the covenant of God and act in ways outside of the covenant, he will flatter them. He'll puff them up. He'll say, you're doing great. That's what you need to do. Let me know that's still how the spirit of Antichrist is dealing with people today. Within the church. When people who claim Christ as their Savior turn away from that covenant of grace and turn either back to religious exercise or turn back to just worldly concepts and worldly systems, that spirit of antichrist will flatter them. Oh, you're doing good. You don't need to be so narrow-minded. You don't need to be so harsh. You don't need to, you know, you don't really need to hold to the word like that. You can loosen up and just, just, just live like everybody else is living. He flattered them. He corrupts them with flattery. But the last part of that verse is what we're going for. But the people who know, now, now look, they're God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people that know their God, that's, that's important and you'll, you'll understand maybe why a little bit more, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And then verse 33 says, And those of the people who understand this shall instruct many. We'll just stop right there. Those of the people who understand this will instruct many. Now we need to we need we need to understand this. So God is calling him. He's saying, if you'll walk in that ancient anointing, if you'll walk in that early anointing, if you'll walk in the covenant, that anoint do you know the covenant with God carries anointing? Do you know the old covenant carried an anointing? The, the priest would be anointed. The oil would pour over and run down off of the beard of Aaron and his sons. And then there was an anointing that came with that old covenant that the priest would walk in and move in. And the new covenant carries an anointing. That covenant of Christ that we walk in today, that covenant of grace carries this anointing that we walk in. And that is what God is calling us to. So we want to be of those who know their God and will be strong and will carry out great exploits. This is who God is calling us to be today. And so I want to talk to you about those three concepts. First concept we're going to look at tonight is they that know their God. I want to talk to you about knowing God. I left off last week talking to you about how amazing it is that God reveals himself to us in a way that we can know him and he knows us. That, that, that is the, probably the most amazing thing that we could never wrap our minds around. That the God of all creation loves us so much that He desires for us to know Him. Now, let me say this. We do not know everything about Him. Our terminology falls short when talking about God. Because we, we know what He reveals to us. And we know in the way He reveals to us. Even Jesus said in John, He said, It's good for you that I go away, for if I do not go, the Spirit will not come. And when He has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into that revealed truth. He'll take what is mine, and all that the Father has is mine, and He'll reveal it unto you, is what Jesus said. But, but, but what He's saying there is, He will reveal to you what is revealed. Amen. And we can know God. We don't know everything about God. And like I said, our terminology fails. We only speak of God in the terms that He reveals Himself to us. When He reveals Himself to us, you know, in the word we read of the arm of God and the hand of God and the finger of God. Understand this. God is not a man. Okay, you need to realize that. God is not a... Now, Christ... Became a man and dwelt among us and he is the Lamb of God and the Son of God. But when we speak of that, we're not speaking of, of our concept like we think we are. We are speaking of the way God reveals himself to us. Okay when God reveals himself, the ancient of days to us, and we, we see the picture in the Bible of the hair white as snow. and the You know, it, it is God revealing himself to us in that measure. So much so that when, when Moses said to him, Lord, show me your glory. Do you remember what, what God does? Puts him up in the cliff of a rock, the Bible says. He puts his hand over him. Covers him. And he walks by, and this is the terminology the word uses, and then when he removes, Moses just sees the hinder parts of his glory, the afterglow of of him, and he's overwhelmed. Amen. Because we, we, we cannot stand before such an awesome creator as God. But think about that that God desires for us to know him. And He reveals Himself. then we're going to talk about that. So they that know their God. That speaks of a personal relationship. Let me tell you. If you're going to walk in the ancient anointing. If you're going to walk in the early anointing. If you're going to walk in the freshness of who God is. And what He wants for us today. Then we need to have personal relationship with Him. It's not enough to have a church relationship with Him. A church relationship can only take you so far. It's it's important. But it can only take you so far. You need to have a personal relationship with Him. This has to become very personal in you and I's life. We need to know Him for who He is. We need to know Him ourselves. We need to be in communion with Him. In fellowship with Him. He gives us that opportunity. He says, come and dine. He said, come, let us reason together. Walk with me. Amen. I think my mind will think when I think of that concept of Adam and Eve before the fall. And the Bible says that that God would come down and manifest himself in this with among them and would walk among them in the cool of the day. Fellowship with them. See, God desires to walk with us. He desires for us to have a relationship With him, you and I should take advantage of the opportunity that we have. Amen. We we need to have personal relationship with God, our Father. And how do we do that? We do that through Christ, His Son. Okay. Hebrews eleven and verse five it talks about Enoch, and it says he was taken away. He didn't see death. He was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. He pleased God. One of the most amazing scriptures you'll run across. He was taken away because he he, he had this testimony. He pleased God. And we want to have that testimony. He pleased God. Verse 6, he says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So in order to have a personal relationship, you have to believe that he is. And you believe he is by believing on Christ that has come. You believe that he is who he said he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. Now that says a couple things to us. But what I want to focus on is that he is a rewarder to us when we seek him. That's relationship. When we seek Him. When we walk with Him. When we walk after Him. When we look for Him. Let me help you. We need to be people that look for God in all of our lives. Amen? Can I tell you, if you will look for God in all of your lives, in all of your circumstances, you'll find Him and He'll reward you. You know, you can see God even in the worst circumstances. Amen. If you look for Him. Now, if you don't look for Him. If you don't seek diligently for Him. You'll, you'll miss it. Or you'll get overwhelmed by the negativity. But if you diligently seek for God. In every circumstance. You'll find God. He's there ready. He's ready to open Himself up. In your darkest moment. He'll speak with you. In your worst time. He'll comfort you. And if you will seek Him. He will reward you. You have to believe that He is though. Not just say you believe, but believe that He is. They that know they're God. So you've got to know Him. You've got you to have faith. You've got to put that faith in Him. And there needs to be that personal walk with the Lord. Now, we, we also read concepts like John 15 and 5. That says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus said, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do Nothing. But He said, I am in the Father, then He will say, and you are in Me. And if you abide with Me, then we, the Father and I, will abide with you. Amen. It's personal. It's not just conceptual, it's personal. It's not just religious, it's personal. See, no other, no other religion has this personal relationship. We, have an opportunity to have a personal walk, to know God. And if we know God, we will be strong and we will do exploits. Let me give you another scripture here. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. I mean, sorry. First Peter chapter 5 verse 6. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him... For He cares for you. Do we believe that? He cares for us. We know He loves us. He said He so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son. But He not only loves us, He cares about us. Amen? It's one thing to love, but but to care for means to be personally involved. Amen to care for means an intimate involvement it 's almost like the picture of that of of that uh, good Samaritan who comes along and takes takes the Jewish brother that 's been beaten and robbed and left for dead and takes him up and cares for him, pours in the oil and the wine cares for him, and then takes him to the inn to be cared for It, it is a loving. Intimate Walk together That's what God wants for us See that's far different Than what many Christians have been Led to believe or haven't understood We are so surface In the body of Christ now Amen Amen How many know we're very surface level How How many know our churches Are very surface level Our preaching's very surface level. Teaching's very surface. We, we teach and preach great concepts of life today and how to navigate life, and we teach, but, but it's surface level. It's just life on this level. But I want to tell you, God goes much deeper than just surface level. The relationship with Him goes soul deep, spirit deep. Deep calls unto deep. That's what we need to strive for. Not just that surface level. Not just how do, I, how do I live good now. That's all necessary and important. But we got to go farther than that. Because God cares for us. God wants to be in relationship with us through Christ. He walks with us. He calls us His own. Amen. You remember the old song? And He walks with me. And He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. Amen? That's the that's the kind the, in, in the old covenant you see it when when God speaks to Abraham. When when God speaks to Moses, when God speaks to Noah, when when he shows up in their in their situations and 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 it, and it's not surface level. See, if we get below the surface level, that's not easy to walk away from. Think about it in your relationships. Your surface level relationships are easy to walk away from. The acquaintances. Anybody know what I mean? Yeah, just people, you, you know, maybe acquaintances on the job. You can be, you can be friends with them. Hey, but if you change jobs... Or you move to another, you, you know, there's a lot of those that that's the last time you ever see them. You know, a, a good example of that is high school. You go to high school graduation, and I don't, I, don't, I don't think they sing it like they used to, but you know, used to. Every high school, it wasn't even a high school graduation unless they sang Friends are Friends forever. And, you know, people were bawling and doing all that stuff. You know, because I mean, it, it's the worst day of your life. You're leaving all your friends and and all that stuff. But the reality is, most of those friends were just surface level. They were friends of necessity because you had to survive high school and junior high and grade school. And they were friends, but 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 they weren't friends that remained or some. But they weren't friends that remained. You don't you don't see a, you know every ten years, maybe you bump into somebody and. You know, you just want to see if they've got old like you have or something like that, you know. But it just it's just not the same. It's a surface. That's not what God wants for us. He wants a deep relationship. They that know their God. So it's personal. And here's what that means too. They that know their God. That means the second part of that knowing God that I want to tell you about is not another God or not another's God, you must know your God. It's not another God, it's not another's God. It's not enough for you to know grandmother's God. Or dad's God. Right? Uh, Becky's talked about in her testimony, and I'm not sharing sure, her testimony, but, but Becky has told us many times in Epic and, and different times about her testimony of God just really getting a hold of her, and, and, and she kind of realized at one point, is it, is it dad's God, or is it, is it my relationship, right? It's not enough for it to just be dad's God, or mom's God, or a grandparent's God, or the pastor's God. It's, he's got to be your God. That's when the difference is made. That's when you make commitment the last. Because when you go beyond the surface and you go deep into relationship. It, become, it becomes even unimaginable to walk away from those deep relationships. So you've got to know your God. Who is your God? That's the question. Who is God? Your God. Not, not someone else's God. Who is your God? James chapter 4. Verses 7 through 10. James 4. 7. Therefore submit to God. It, now. James 4. Verses 7 through 10. If you want to write that down. Because I, I, I just kind of did a little search at that. And I broke this all down in my Bible. and Marked this all up. Therefore submit to God. But let me know. If you don't know your God if He's not your God, submission doesn't mean the same thing. You, can, you could be forced to submit to a God. There's a lot of religions that will do that. That's the system of the world. You've got to submit. But, but when He's your God, when it's a personal relationship... When, when it's not another God or another's God, but He's your God, then this changes this whole thing. Therefore, submit to that God that you're in relationship with. Come before Him. Yield before Him. Give Him your life. Give Him your will. And resist the devil, and then the devil will flee from you. we got a lot of people wondering why the devil's not fleeing from them. Because they think, well, I'm trying to resist the devil. But you're not resisting to your God. Or you're not submitting to your God. You might be trying to submit to some principle of God someone else taught you. Amen. Now that's We're going to have to think a little bit on that one to catch that. We've got a lot of Christians that submit to a principle of God that someone has taught them. So they do good things. They try to have good habits. They go to church. They even go to church on Wednesday nights. Amen. Because <laughs> that's a good thing. We were taught to do that, right? Some, some of us. I was taught to do that. I was, I was demanded to do that. I wasn't even taught to do that. The doors were open and we were there. That's right. But, but do you know, even then, there were many times I was made to go, but I wasn't really there. Yeah, exactly. I was there in body, but I wasn't there in mind and in spirit. But, but when he's personal to me and I'm walking with him, then I'm engaged and I'm submitting now unto God. And then I can resist the devil because now I know my God. And I submit to him. And, and now I resist the enemy and then the enemy has to flee from me. And here's the third thing about knowing God. You've got to know your God's nature. See, you've got you to know your God. you got to have a personal relationship. If you're going to have this early anointing, that, that first anointing, that, that powerful presence of God that's going to cause you to be able to be strong and do exploits, then you got to know your God. And so in order and when you know your God you can you can withstand the flattery of corruption the corruption of flattery you can you can withstand that you can do great things for God but you've got to know him so you've got to have a personal relationship with him and then it's got to be not another God or not another's God he's got to be your God you've got to know who your God is and then you've got to know your God's nature amen do you know we 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 are revealed, the word reveals to us our God's nature. This tells us about our God. What does the word tell us about our God? It tells us He's love. God is love. God loves us. He so loves us. The terminology of the Bible is not just a a love. It is a so love. We have a so loves us God. That, that he doesn't just love. He so loves us that he gave everything for us. He's a holy God. He's a sovereign God. He's a just God. He, he, we, we run across things, concepts in the word that he's an all-powerful God. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. All power of heaven and earth is in his hands. He's, he's all-knowing. He's an omniscient God. He he is a God that has a will for you. Desire for you. Right? This is your God. This is is what this reveals. So so when people say, well, I just can't read the Word. Well, then you'll never know the nature of your God. Because it's here you find the nature of your God. It's here you, are, you, you come face to face with the nature of the God that you serve. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. He's loving. He's kind. But He's just. He's sovereign. He's righteous. He's holy. He's God. There is none other that is like Him. And you need to be acquainted with His nature. Jeremiah 29, we, we write it on everything. We wear it on necklaces and, and bands. And, and we have it on, on Bible bookmarks. And, and we have it everywhere. Everywhere. I, I know the thoughts that I have for you. They're Thoughts to prosper you. And I'm not desiring to harm you. I want to help you and I want to be. But that's, that's the nature of your God. You need to, it needs to be more than just a quote. It needs to be, that's how you know Him. We, we, he's got a will for you and a purpose for you. You know, people will say, well, I just don't know God's purpose in my life. Can I help you tonight? I'm going to help you. I'm going to solve the age old question tonight. John chapter 6 and verse 40. Jesus said, and this is the will of him who sent me. <laughs> Amen. There's his purpose. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. That's God's will for us. His purpose, His plan is that we would have everlasting life through Jesus Christ. That's a good God. Do you know God's a good God? We live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that because of the wickedness of the world, so many people have a hard time seeing a good God in a wicked world. But when you know your God and you know His nature and you understand that He's with you and you recognize what He's doing in your life and all that He's brought to you, then the wickedness of the world reveals the goodness of your God. Do you know His nature? Romans if you'll turn with me there chapter 12 I know I'm giving you some quite a bit of scripture tonight you can just write it down if you want to but, or you can turn over there and read with me but Romans 12 verse 2 says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may then prove what is that good and acceptable and that perfect will of God but don't stop there Because then he goes on to tell us, watch. See, we stop reading the Word. We read something good and then we stop there. And we want to put it on a necklace or or put it on a bookmark. And we stop there. But he didn't stop talking and writing. He kept going. Amen? I I try to train myself that when I highlight things in my Bible, I don't stop at the statement I want to highlight. I try to go on and underline a little bit Farther down to see what all he's saying to me about it. Because Romans 12 and 2 is awesome. And we can prove what's that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But Romans 3, he carries on. For he says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think soberly. As God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. He's given us that that I believe the word is a micro. He's given us that measure. He's measured out that faith to us. And do you know that God who knows everything knows exactly what your measure needs to be? Amen. No. And, and he measures that out, but he didn't stop there. And then he said, for as we have many members in one body, but all don't have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ. And individually members. And we have gifts. Here's how you prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You take the measure of faith God's given you. And you use it with the gifts He's blessed you with. Amen. Now, in order to do that, you can't be conformed to the world and you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in the Word to know God, to know His nature, to know who He is. And then when you do that, you recognize the measure of faith He's given you to believe that He is. And the more you seek after Him, you begin to realize He's given me some gifts. People say, Well, I can't do anything for God. That's not what God says he's given you a measure of faith and he's given you gifts and you are to do them and then he says having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us what you read you read that having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us read that next phrase everybody out loud okay let's read that one more time Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Okay, hold on. We're going to read it one more time. And this time I want you to emphasize the right word. I want you to emphasize us. Okay. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now let's read it one more time. Because instead of us, he just said, Now we all are members of one body, But we're all individual members of that body. So now we're going to say me. Having the gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to me, let. Amen. And then he kind of lists some. It's not an exhaustive list because we find other lists other places. He says, whatever that gift is, if it's prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to the faith he's given you. Don't try to be somebody else. Be who He's called you to be. Know God. Have confidence that He's called you to be exactly who you are. And He's gifted you to be effective for Him. Okay, prophesy. Go, go to the next one, George, would you? Uh, if it's ministry, what does ministry mean? Ministry is not standing up here doing this. It's serving. It's service to one another. It might include standing up and doing this, but it's serving. If, if it's service, then let us use it in our serving. How many know you can't serve people, you can't use the gift of service if you never serve people? (laughs) He who teaches, what do they need to be doing? Amen? Uh, If you exhort, to exhort means to, to lift up, to magnify. Okay, so If your gift is is to exhort, what do you do? You do it in exhortation. Yeah. What about give? He who gives. Now, I know everybody here is saying, oh, I don't have that gift. Yeah. he, He who gives with liberality. So when you give. How you give according to the measure of faith God's given you to give. You give it with liberality. The widow woman with two mites. She didn't have much to give, but she gave with liberality. The Pharisees and the rich people that would come. They came in and they had lots of money, but they yeah they they had to peel it. You know their their wallets would have been those that you have to peel open and dust flies out of them and moths fly out of it and they squeeze out that dollar bill out of there. You know. You, it's funny when you count money at ministers' meetings and camp meetings, Vernon will know this. You you can tell there's some people they're not given with liberality. Because it looks like some of them, God just literally had to pull that money out of their hands. I mean, it's just all wadded up so tight. And I mean, you know, you just got to put it in there, and usually, always, it's the dollar bill. But anyway, we'll just leave that alone anyway. But if you can't. Well, Usually the $100 bills, they're thrown in there. But that's $1, man. man, That's pride out of my cold, dead hands. Lord, yeah. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy. Do it with cheerfulness. Amen? Let your love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. And what did Jesus say? Only God's good. Cling to Him. Amen. Do you, you see that? See, that's knowing God. Know His nature. Not another's God. Not another God. But your God. And have a personal relationship with Him. They that know their God won't be corrupted by flattery. And, and I'll close with this, and then next week we'll hit the Be Strong and Do X carry out great exploits. The last thing about knowing God is this. When you know God personally, in a personal relationship, and He's not another God or another's God, He's your God. And when you know His nature, and you are pursuing Him and you're living with Him, you then are known by Him. And you are known completely by How many know God knows us? Do you know God knows those things about us that we don't reveal to anybody else? And do you know we all have those things? We can't act like we're so holy we don't have those things. We all, people say, I'm an open book. and, and And people are a lot, but they're not a completely open book. Because there's still some things in the recesses that we always hold on to. But God knows us. And if we know Him, then we can say, and we're known by Him. And we don't say that out of guilt or out of condemnation because God doesn't condemn us. Do you know, this, this was a freeing concept in my mind. God knew me better than I knew myself, and yet He still called me to do what I do. He still loves me, yeah. He still accepts me. And he knows. If I was him, I wouldn't want anything to do with me. Amen? I, w- I wouldn't. I know too much about myself. God, are you sure? We, we're like Gideon. An angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, Get up, you mighty man of valor. Gideon's in a, in a wine press, down in a hole, sifting wheat. You don't sift wheat in a wine press. He's there because he's afraid. He's fearful. He's weak. And he's down there hiding from the enemy, doing what's absurd. If you're in a wine press trying to sift out wheat, there's not any flow that's going to sift. <laughs> no. But he's down there and the angel Lord appears to him and says, Get up, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> and Gideon says, Who, me? You've got the wrong guy. My family's the weakest of the tribes and I'm, I'm the weakest of them. You got the wrong God. Do you see what I'm doing, Lord? Come on, y'all been there? Yeah. But when you know God and you know His nature and you know He loves you and you have that personal relationship with Him, then you can know you're known by Him. And that's a freedom concept. It is free to be known fully by a God that you know. Let me say that again. Because a lot of people live condemned. And a lot of people beat themselves up. And a lot of people feel like they're never good enough. Never worthy enough. But it is a freedom concept. That you are known fully by the God that you know in personal relationship. Oh that will free you if you'll hear that. That will lift some chains of condemnation. Because if you are fully known by God. Then that means he's fully accepted you. Man. Isn't it good to know God fully accepts us? Do you know God loves to use odd people? Weird people? Weak people? Don't point at anybody. I know y'all are all all saying, y'all look at you, you know, I'm up here preaching. He uses uses different people, peculiar people. He uses people that struggle. He uses people that their testimonies that everybody else would say, "Ah, then I wouldn't use that person." And God fully accepts that person. Amen. I'm thankful God's he knows me and I know him and he has fully accepted me. And therefore, when I fail, I can come to him and say, Lord, you know me. You know my nature. You know who I am. I'm not excusing it. But I ask you to forgive me and to teach me and to help me. And you know what he says? Through Christ, my son, you're already forgiven. And if you'll just get back up, I'll keep walking with you. He'll walk with you when nobody else will. Because when you're in relationship with him, you are known, fully accepted by God. Praise God. And you are fully redeemed when you're known by God. If you can give Him every aspect of your life, He can fully redeem every aspect of your life. The only thing in your life God cannot redeem is the thing you will not give to Him. Every failure He can redeem. Every weakness He can redeem. Every struggle, He can redeem. Everything wrong, He can redeem. If you just give it to Him. He sent Christ to fully redeem you. And when He knows you, when you are known by Him, then you recognize you are fully, completely loved. He knows everything about you, but yet while you were enemies against him, he loved you so much he gave Christ for you then. He didn't give Jesus to die for you when you were all cleaned up. He gave his best when all of us were not only at our worst, but were at the worst that humans could ever be. How freedom, how much freedom is that? He loves you fully. I'm not sure we, because we live in a world, I love my wife and I know my wife loves me. But I don't know if we've ever experienced in this world, because I don't think it's humanly possible to experience that fully, completely, every aspect loved. Experience like God can give us. Because that's what He offers us. It, let's be honest. In our human walk, there are limits to our love. Hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> yes, it can. We, there are limits. Would you, would you agree with that? Some some limits may be way out there, but there are limits. There are boundaries you can cross that in this life, in this world, you can't get back over. But God fully loves. You've never been loved like you're loved by Him. Amen. So know Him. If we want to have that early anointing and we want to be that powerful body of Christ that makes a difference in our world, it has to start by knowing Him. Personally. Who He is. His nature. As He's revealed to us through Christ. We walk with Him and then we are known by Him. And that gives us the freedom to not give in to the corruption Of the flattery of the enemy. That would try to woo us away from God. Here's our dilemma and I'll close with this. Stand your feet with me. Our world. Our world because. So many. Do not know. Their God. They are drawn away. By the flattery. Of the world. People, I, I've, talk, I've talked with alcoholics that have told me they'll go to the bar and they will find more acceptance, forgiveness, friendship in that bar than they do in church. My friends, it shouldn't be that way. God doesn't treat us that way. And so we should strive to love because we know Him. Amen. But when we know Him, and we're known by Him, then we can begin the process of walking in that anointing and changing our world. So that's where we begin. Next week we'll hit two areas. We'll we'll learn to be strong and to carry out great exploits. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your presence. We thank you for the fact that you reveal yourself to us. We our knowledge, ability and level, even the greatest minds among us have no way to comprehend all of your fullness. But you have so greatly revealed yourself to us. And we are so thankful. And you've given us the faith to believe and the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts to accept. And you've made it so easy that even as a child, we can come to know you. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die for us. Let us be of those that know you and are fully known by you. So that we can begin to push forward and make a difference in our world. Father, we love you. We honor you and we thank you for our time together tonight. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.